WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Rinku as your host as usual. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, that's great to hear. Uh, how was your weekend? Worked a lot, like most of my weekends. Um, that was pretty much what I did. Just on the golf course the whole time? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Oh no, that's great. I hope all of our listeners out there had a fantastic weekend. Uh, it was kind of warm but gorgeous outside this whole weekend. Uh, nice breeze blowing throughout the day and cooling off at night. So uh, yeah, hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, really crazy weekend in the world of sports. Uh, hands down, a lot going on in the NFL with the free agent signing starting at Friday this Friday at 6 p.m. This last weekend, a lot happened there. Obviously, the MLB trade deadline was July 31st this Sunday at 4 p.m. So a lot of teams made moves there. We got a lot to talk about with the Tigers. Basically, if you're a baseball or football fan, don't go anywhere. Uh, it's pretty much going to take over the show. A lot to get to on today's show. Uh, the melee going down in uh, in Detroit on Sunday. A lot to get to, so uh, definitely stay tuned. And We are going to start off here, though, with baseball, with our Detroit Tigers. And before we get into Sunday's theatrics, which uh, proved to be a pretty one of the best games I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I went to I went to actually to Comerica Park to watch this game. It was an amazing game. But we will touch on that in a minute because that has a lot to talk about with that. But the Detroit Tigers right now are two and a half games up on the Cleveland Indians and four games ahead of the Chicago White Sox, with the Minnesota Twins about seven games back. KC still lingering around their ten to eleven game mark. Um, always just there to play spoiler to the rest of our teams in the Central Division. But looking back at last week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we had a three-game series at Chicago, uh, which proved to be not a good series, um, actually, for the Detroit Tigers. I know me and Megan, I know we discussed um, how we thought they would either sweep or win two out of three mm-hmm. against the White Sox here, and um, it did not work out that way. On Monday, they took a 6-3 loss with uh, Dwayne Belo on the mound. Um, really not a bad game. Uh, the Tigers really could not put enough offense on the board, did not get the win there. Look Looking at Tuesday, obviously our ace Justin Verlander on the mound did not have his greatest game of the uh, you know of the year. Nonetheless, still got the win. Five to four was your final score. Verlander giving up four earned runs in eight innings. Good job for Verlander there. And then Wednesday in a very frustrating game uh, against the Chicago White Sox, final game of the series, a loss two to one um, with Scherzer who really did. A fantastic job on the mound Wednesday. He went six innings, only gave up two runs. But again, the Tigers' offense completely uh, stunted. Could not get anything done uh, going out there. Tigers take a tough 2-1 to loss. But let's get into the most interesting series, the series against the Los Angeles Angels that kicked off on Thursday. And Thursday... If you saw Thursday's game, which I'm happy I didn't, it was a day game. I did not have to punish myself, but Thursday's game was torture. Uh, this was a 12-7 to loss with Brad Penny on the mound. Um, it was an absolute pathetic performance from bad Brad Penny, um, giving up seven earned runs and only three in a third inning. Uh, just did not get it done at all. Arguing with Victor Martinez, um, the catcher and the pitcher not getting along with the way the calls are being uh, laid down. Um, just a very frustrating day. Jim Leland getting ejected. Um, it was really just a bad day for the Detroit Tigers um, just completely being embarrassed at home by the Los Angeles Angels and you know that's something Brad Penny uh, Brad Penny really 
has not been the greatest guy for us. Hasn't been bad, but at the same time, has not been, I think, what you might have expected a little bit more out of him. Brad Penny now 7-8 and eight on the year. Not the best record. Basically been hovering around 500 the entire season. Um, in his last four starts, though, he has, in his last six starts, excuse me, he is 3-3 three and three with a 3.63 ERA. But that was before the terrible performance yet again on Thursday. So, before we get into the rest of this series, Megan, you know, looking at how terrible that series went against Chicago, um, I know it was at Chicago, but, you know, we've been having success against the White Sox lately. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday's debacle, which was really, I mean, 12-7, to 7, you might not think that was a bad game, but this game was out of hand by the third inning. Do you think, at that point, did you think the Tigers were going back on this, you know, slump of a track and we were really going to let Cleveland and Chicago inch up on us? You know, it's really tough to say because baseball is so back and forth. Um, you know, they could win one day and lose the next. Um, you know, 12-4 to 4 and then win the next day, whatever. And... Um, you know, it, it seems like it. I think, especially because of the Penny um, Martinez argument, that really bothered me. That yeah. was just. But the thing is, we just need to keep our heads on and everything. Um, I don't see them just doing a complete 180 and going backwards. No, definitely, I don't at all either. I just, you know. With that series, like we said, we thought we had, you know, Scherzer and Verlander pitching in that Chicago series. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah, at least you get two out of three there. Mm-hmm. And then even in the Monday night game with Dwayne Bilo on the mound, you still think Tigers got a decent shot at it. But, uh, yeah, Thursday's game, just with the tempers flaring, obviously everyone was upset. I mean, mm-hmm. you got Leland getting, you know, ejected. Mm-hmm. And it just it had it left us out. A loss is a loss. It's baseball. It's 162 right. games. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, players are on the same team are going to get upset at each other either. I mean, you know, of course. But, right. It left a sour taste in my mouth going for sure. forward in the series. For sure. You know, and it's just, I, I think it might have just been, like you said, a sour series. Just, you know, just something where they were just kind of messed up, not right in the head, something like that. Because, you know, they came back later and they did fine in the next series. But I don't. I, th- I think they're fine. Yeah, well, I mean, Thursday's series, actually, that, that was the opener against the Angels. That actually mm-hmm. kicked off the new series. Mm-hmm. But And that's what, I guess, kind of worried me was the fact that, you know, you had the rough series against Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then you start to wonder, are they going to... Are they going to have this series like this against the Angels? You know, a team that, you know, is a pretty good team. Not good offensively necessarily, but a very good pitching team. Very good fielding. And it just got off on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. But you go to Friday night. What a different a change of events. You look at Friday night's game. A win 12-2, to which was an absolute monstrous, uh, demonstrative performance. Uh, this team had 15 hits. You know, scored 12 runs. Absolutely annihilated the Angels. Um, just completely got to him, which was just a great game to see. Porcello as well pitching, went eight innings, only gave up five hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts, no walks. Um, mm-hmm. Another great outing from Rick Porcello. A man that has won now five consecutive starts in a row. This guy hasn't even taken a loss since June 28th. And, I mean, to you... How important is that that Porcello really right now is figuring it out? I mean, this isn't, you know, we had a little problems. You go back to early June, even a little part of May, but he's gotten it together. Right. I, it's it's extremely important. It's important that all of our pitchers start to pick up and do better. Penny, obviously, in the series before was a little iffy just because it might have just been an off game. But Porcello getting out there and doing that, especially we are over halfway through the season. Oh, yeah. This is where they need to start or have things figured out or 
figure things out or be toward figuring things out, I guess is more of what I'm trying to say. Because we don't want them still sitting there going, well, maybe I'll win this game and lose the next one. Like, we don't need that right now. Because once that starts happening, our team's going to start going downhill. And it's extremely important for him to get out there and start winning and keep winning and do as well as he's been doing. Yeah, I agree. I'm just very impressed with Rick Porcello. I think he's really, uh, he showed great command of the plate um, in that game on Friday. Uh, great control with all of his pitches. Um, I was just very happy to see him get out there and have such a great start. Obviously, the bats helped him out when you have that kind of run support. It makes it a lot easier on the mound. There's that, you know, more sense of you know, comfortability. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, great to see that. And then talk about another kid, Jacob Turner, who got his first major, major league debut on Saturday. Um, this is a kid that the Tigers have been very high on. Um, you know, just He's only 20 years old. Very, very young kid. I'm going out there. He went five and a third innings. Three hits, only gave up three hits, two earned runs, three walks. Also had six strikeouts, though, for his first Major League debut. Nonetheless, not enough against Dan Heron and the Angels. Heron, yet again, just like the last time we faced him when Verlander and Heron matched off, lockdown game, only gave up one run. Tigers lose it 5-1, and I think Jacob Turner did fantastic. He did all he could. Yeah. I even think he could have stayed out there a little longer. I, I saw a little bit of that game. Like I told you guys, I worked all weekend, so I missed pretty much the whole entire weekend. But from what I heard, I had people texting me going, are you watching the game? And I'm like, hey, I'm kind of watching it. You know, I'm at work right now. They're like, this, this guy might be the answer to our prayers. Yeah, I mean, and he got sent down. He's back in, you know, AAA mm-hmm. ball because, you know, we just – and we'll get to the signings that the Tigers made, but, they, you know, they signed a right-handed starter, mm-hmm. you know, to shore up their rotation. But for the future, Jacob Turner – that looks fantastic. This mm-hmm. kid really, for a major league debut against you know a tough Angels team, really got it together. I think he looked fantastic out there. Congratulations to Jacob Turner. Um, nothing's more special than having your whole family and everyone come out to your first major league debut and to pitch as well as he did, only giving up two earned runs. The six strikeouts to me was very impressive, just like Rick Purcello the night before. Fantastic command over the plate, and I just really like to see that. And now we're getting to the game that I've been waiting to talk about. <laughs> Sunday's game, uh, and if you have not seen or heard anything about this, then I, I guess you don't watch ESPN. Or you live under a rock. Or you live under two rocks. <laughs> I don't know. But Sunday's game has a lot of interesting and controversial things that went down. Um, let's get to the basics of Sunday's game. First, though, Sunday was Justin Verlander versus Jared Weaver. Basically an AL Cy Young you know, championship bout. Uh, this is going to be the only time these guys face off. Uh, they're both uh, him, uh, Verlander, Sabathia, and Weaver. These are the top three guys for the Cy Young basically you can rule anyone else out so you know this was a, a great test to see these two pitchers facing off against each other and who comes out on top and the Tigers get the win Tigers won three to two in a very exciting game starting off in the third inning with Maglio Ordonez a great Tiger getting a two-run knock over to left field um, a fantastic hit just really getting a, you know the Tigers the lead uh, Weaver did pitch a good game uh, Weaver did not have a bad game by any means um you want to look at you know weaver's numbers uh you know weaver he only gave up four hits to the tigers that's not a bad game you give up four hits and three earned runs <clears throat> can't cry about that uh you know he really had a good start but guess who had a better start justin verlander <laughs> and justin verlander as he has done many a time this year as we all expect him to do practically every time he steps on the mound you expect him to pitch lights out, and he did not disappoint for the 38,000 fans at Comerica Park on Sunday afternoon. And this is a game I actually attended, and um, you know I haven't been to a ton of Tigers games in my life. Been to enough of them though, and hands down, this is the best game I've ever seen. Start off with the three, uh, two-run knock from Maglio Ordonez. Great pitching back and forth, quick innings. This game was really speeding along, and then you get to an interesting seventh inning. 
And this is uh, this is where things get really heated. Basically, Carlos Guillen hits a one run solo home hits a solo home run off of Jared Weaver. And when he hits the home run, he stares right at Weaver, gives him a stare, and flicks his back, you know, black uh, bat, excuse me, in a defiance, just basically like, hey, showing you up. And then slowly trots around. This is when Weaver, him, they have words. Weaver and Guillen have words. And the next batter, who is Alex Avila, gets the ball thrown not at his head, but just above his head. He was head hunting. Weaver was very very angry and all this stemmed from an earlier thing with Maglio Donez when he hit his home run he didn't get right out of the batter's box he wasn't sure if it was a home run that's why he was standing there to see if it was fair or foul I guess Weaver took it as him hot dogging down the baseline but basically when Weaver is yelling at Maglio Maglio says quote I told him that's as hard as I can run I was going to have a heart attack end quote <laughs> you know Maglio just kind of joking around and you know a lot of the teammates were baffled because Maglio is one of the most classy guys in the league he's someone that really he's a great clubhouse guy he has respect for everyone that plays and he always has showed that so for Weaver to take that from Mags I thought was very insulting because if you see the play you see the highlight Mags isn't purposely trying to do anything Okay, he's just trying to see if this ball is fair or foul. And then you have Guillen saying, quote, Maglio's been in the game 13, 14 years. Okay, you know, uh, it says shaking his head at the ideas that Ardonias would show up an opposing pitcher, particularly one as skilled as Weaver. You know, Ardonias says, quote, I don't understand this attitude. It was a great game. I always have respect for the other guys and the other pitcher. I don't try to show him up, end quote. And that's how I took it. And I thought it was very cheap and very immature. Even though Guillen did show up Weaver, and I'm not doubting that for a second. Guillen purposely did that. Was it right or wrong? That's a tough one to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Guillen was just trying to have Maglio's back. I think that we, you know, he thought that Weaver unnecessarily snapped at this guy that did nothing wrong. So he hits his solo shot to give this team a 3 nothing lead. You know what? He's going to show him up. And that's when Weaver and Carlos had words, which is uh, uh, pretty funny as well. Uh, basically, uh, Guillen says, um, quote, he was just looking at me, and that's when I stared, end quote. And then when he's running to the base path, he says, quote, why are you looking at me? And then Guillen responds back, why are you looking at me first? So then they just have some words, and again, he goes head hunting against Avila, the next at-bat, gets tossed from the game. So just quickly, your standpoint, do you think in any way Weaver is justified in his actions? Uh, you know, I not not how it started, um, you know, with the whole Rodonias thing, because obviously he was just looking fair or foul, normal thing. There's a lot of if you look at batters, a lot of the times they will sit there and take a second before they take off just to see where it yeah, goes. Especially if it's going to be a home run or a foul ball. Exactly. It's one Ca- or the other. Cabrera does that a lot. I don't know if you've noticed that oh, yeah. he, he's but he's kind of slow in general. But I mean, <laughs> when he's getting out of the batter's box, he kind of like sets his bat down to the side and looks and watches to make sure and then he'll take off like how it's started i think he interpreted that wrong i think it was just really it's just bad interpretation i don't know if it was just a lot of pressure and he was just cracking under pressure because he has pitched it's two of the best pitchers in the league yeah i mean i think he was yeah he was frustrated yeah. that we had gotten the better of him right that day, exactly that point. and but yeah i did i do think you know good for Gian for having his teammates back if that's the reason why he did it um but at the same time i think he did maybe take it a little far and I, i'm sorry i feel so sorry for alex avila who had to take you know the wrath at least of, he didn't get hit yeah exactly that would have been worse like a lot worse a but, lot worse um no i i think weaver was maybe not he wasn't no he wasn't justified sorry that's what i want to say he wasn't justified at all to sit there and headhunt 
Obviously. No, and that's the thing. That's never justified. No, that's never. Not, never. And I don't care what anyone did. You know, and to sit there, and I was just watching it. I was watching ES because I missed the game. The game. Yes. I was watching ESPN highlights, and they were just they're blurring out his mouth because he was just sitting there swearing the whole entire time. And, oh yeah. You know, that's you don't. It's class. I think is more of what it is. Yeah, he's and classless. You can't, you can't be classless like that, especially if you're supposed to be, you know, a Cy Young candidate. You don't want like a classless guy out there, and that's. I was reading an article earlier, and I think it was more of like a, um, like a, a column. Yes. Because they were giving their opinion, um, but he was just saying he's like, you want someone with class, and you know, Verlander kept his head on, kept it together, composed, didn't get didn't get upset about anything, and then you look at Weaver, who's second actually in the side. Looks like a child out yeah, there. Yeah, and he's just swearing, and then he gets kicked out, and it's just. Yeah, I don't think he was justified with anything he did. Obviously. Uh, Guillen shouldn't have taken it as far as he did. I, I will say that. Guillen's, okay. Guillen's actions probably weren't his best because he put his bat out to the side and then dropped it. Oh, he, held, just, he just flicked it like Held his hand right there for him. a second yeah. and stared at him, trotted sideways, and then just took and off. And slowly took off. Yeah, and obviously, you, you don't do that. That was classless on his part, too, I feel like. Okay, so I mean, but do you think, obviously, Weaver much more classless in his action oh, because definitely. what he was doing could really hurt somebody? Oh, for sure. You don't... You, <laughs> Who wants to get hit in the head with a baseball going 90-something miles Yeah, I mean, I'll never agree with headhunting. I understand, you know, sometimes when it happens in games, you you know, guys get hit by a pitch. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and yeah, you know, the other pitcher will retaliate. Mm -hmm. And still, that's not right. But if you're throwing around, you know, it's It's never right. But it's around, if it's around, you're throwing around the the arm, throwing around the midsection. It's never good to get hit by a pitch. Obviously, you could always have some kind of injury, shatter a wrist, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. Mm -hmm. But to go headhunting, no matter what is just despicable Mm -hmm. because head injuries are horrible. We've seen them across every league in Major League Sports. Oh, yeah. And to see someone, just because they're that frustrated, Mm -hmm. it's just cheap to me. Mm -hmm. But uh, we are going to move on to the other topic involving this game, which I find very interesting. Uh, Justin Verlander had a no-hitter going into the eighth inning. Um, Absolutely dominant, like I was saying. Um, The guy obviously had given up no hits, had only walked two batters. Um, He was doing great. Justin Verlander, honestly, he looked primed for a second no-hitter. I'm at the park, I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking, you know, because there was a fly out to deep right field at the end of the seventh, and I'm thinking, I think he's got this. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously not talking about it, because that's not allowed. <laughs> you can't talk about it until it's like the ninth inning, maybe with two outs, right. one out. But nonetheless, he's going for a second no-hitter, which he gets that, he's got a lock on the Cy Young. You have two no-hitters in one season, and the numbers Justin Verlander has, mm-hmm. you are going to win the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. So, with no outs... Top of the eighth, what happens? Eric Ibar comes um, comes to the bat, comes to bat, and he lays down a bunt. Okay, lays the bunt down. Uh, Justin Verlander goes to get it. You know, throws a bad throw to first. Ibar reaches first, but the no hitter is still intact. It was it was ruled as an error, so he still has a no hitter intact. You know, not too bad. Real fast, I want to ask our listeners: Do you think it's kosher? Is it or is it bush league to lay a bunt down when a guy is going for a no hitter? Or do you think, hey, do whatever you have you have to do to get on base? Phone number is 517-432-3893. I'm really curious to think what people what they think about this. In your opinion, is it in any way is it I don't want to say cheap, but just you know, there's a certain baseball has certain codes and they go back a long ways between yeah. pitchers, cat whatever it might be. Yeah. Do you think you know, I mean, this team, they're not, they're down, down three runs. It's not like they're out of this game nine to nothing. It's not like they're getting beat up. They still have a chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. Is Ibar's bunt, you know, is it Bush League or is it not? 
Oh, it depends on what angle you want to take it from. If you want to take it from the angle of the Angels team, obviously, like you said, um, they were they were it was a close game. Yes, they're only down a couple or a few runs, you know, and lay that bunt down. Maybe the next guy up at bat might hit. You know, out in the outfield, a nice little pop in the outfield and advance the runner at least, you know, yes. get around base. Exactly. And that's if you want to look at it like that, then no, I think it's OK. But it, coming from the view of Verlander, which he actually said something, you know, he had a couple quotes about that. He was frustrated because he was like, I was working on a no, a no, no. And he goes, and this guy just comes out and no just, outs and lays a bunt. Yeah, and lays a bunt. And, you know, that's it, it depends on the view you want to take. Um, in my personal opinion, baseball is a sport. You do what you got to do. You do what you got to do to win. To do, yeah, to win. But you know, baseball is just so like superstitious and stuff like that. There's so much, so many different loopholes in baseball Mm -hmm. that there's like so many codes, like like unwritten codes, and there's so many other things. Very true. You know, and coming from me as a a non-baseball athlete, I would say it was it was all right. Even even though I am, you know, a Tigers fan, obviously, but I would I would say it wasn't. I don't know, cheap or whatever you wanted to say it. And I agree with you. I mean, like obviously. It stinks that that happened. He didn't lose the no hitter based on that play. It was from future events, you know. I mean, you know that you know that wild pitch allowed Ibar to get to second base, mm-hmm. which you know then you know basically allowed him to get to third after you know uh, an out, you know at, at first. So he was already on third with one out, and then it was a great strikeout by Justin Verlander. But the next play, um, you know, you see a hit to third base. Ibar decides to go home. Don Kelly, in my opinion, does the right thing and throws home mm-hmm. to save that run. Unfortunately, they botched that pickle completely. Uh, Kelly holds onto the ball way too long, then tosses it to Verlander, and it's too late. Ibar ran past him and scored. Justin Verlander drops the ball. Um, but here's something that's quite interesting. Well, I want to get I'll go right back real fast to the Ibar bunt. Basically, this was Verlander's take on it. He says, quote, there's arguments both ways. But obviously, from a pitching standpoint, we like to call it Bush League. It is a three-run game, so if you get a guy on base, you never know what they what, what can happen, end quote. So he sees it from both. As a pitcher, he kind of sees it. But as it, like we said, as a team looking to win, mm-hmm. then I have no problem with it. I don't have an issue with it because, yeah, you're looking to win. Ibar is a good hitter. He's a good blunter. And I mean, he's trying to get on base, and he's fast. Yeah, and he can get on base and steal. If the Tigers did this, we would be like, "Yeah, good job." No, exactly, exactly. And that's and that's important. I'm happy you brought that up because yes, if this was a team going against us trying to get a no hitter, and we lay a bunt down in the eighth, and we get on base, great. We'd be like, "Yeah, good job, fantastic." (laughs) And you know, the funny thing is, and this is the point I want to get to, is that even with that, you know, even with that run scoring there from third base, Ibar. Verlander still had a no-hitter going because yeah. that was a fielder's choice. So he still has the no-hitter going. Right. And then, unfortunately, um, a nice hit into left field, which ends, which, which ends up scoring Borges. And before you know it, it just it's no-hitter's over. But uh, we are going to go to the phone lines real fast. Hey, how you doing? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Yeah, hey, I'm calling in. This is Al. Hey, what's going on, Al? Hey, I'm calling in on the Tigers. Yeah. So what do you got to say about them? Well, what I've been hearing and... Uh, what I'm, what I've seen, I've seen that game, and I'm, I'm, and it's like, uh, you know, they they should have, you know, it, it comes with the fundamentals. I mean, this is the time of the season where you're going to squeak in a run here or there. I mean, the, the the pickoff at third base, the bunt that was popped up earlier by, uh, yeah, Jackson. Jackson. 
Yeah, I mean, these are things that have to be accomplished. If you don't accomplish these things in the playoffs or getting close to them, then every little run is going to count. So this guy comes up to bunt. Okay, well, Verlander, pick up the ball, throw it to first. I mean, this is just the basic stuff that they have to learn how to do. I agree. So, and, uh, you know, real fast, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree with uh, you on, you know, Ibar and his bunt. I think it's fine. Um, you want to take a look at, um, you know, earlier with Jared Weaver getting tossed out. Do you think that he had any right in any way to go headhunting for the actions of Carlos Guillen and what he thought Maglio's intentions were? You know, as, as much as he might think he's such a great pitcher, and he is a great pitcher, okay, but you don't take it to the point where you throw a ball at 90 miles an hour at somebody's head. You know, you're just driving a car and trying to hit someone. You don't do that. I mean, you know, he didn't. He lost it, and, you know, he's going to regret it. And, uh, you know, and that's the way it's going to be. All right, Al. Well, I really appreciate the phone call. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. But no, I mean, I definitely, uh, I mean, I definitely agree with that. And uh, here's something interesting: at the game, you can't. I, from where I was sitting, I'm in the mezzanine, so I'm like way up. I might as well be sitting on the roof of Comerica Park. But uh, no, they are great seats. Uh, but nonetheless, um, when Ibar was coming home from third base. Okay, you know, Justin Verlander drops the ball. I just thought it was, you know, Kelly threw a little too late in the pickle, and Verlander just couldn't grab it and couldn't make the tag in time. But was something that happened. Uh, Verlander didn't even notice it. But when he walks out to the mound, he says, quote, um, that bothered me more. I didn't realize he did that until I started walking back to the mound, and I felt something in my chest, and I said, that little guy threw an elbow at me. And I didn't feel it at first, and it didn't bother me at all then, end quote. I did not know that. That's what, I didn't see it either. The angle that they were showing it from on ESPN was above. Yes. So, but it was kind of more Verlander's back was kind of blocking, you know, the elbow or that area. But yeah, I was reading that too, and I just thought it was. I, I was watching it, and my friends like, um, did he miss that? And I go. Yeah, I know, we're all watching like... it. We're thinking, okay, great. Okay, we already have that one out. This will be number two. Yeah. Verlander will easily be able to take care of whoever's next. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that botch pickle, in my opinion, which whether it was Ibar's elbow that really caused it or it was just a bobble, I mean, I think he, Verlander still probably could have got a hold of the ball. If he didn't really notice the elbow then, I don't think it was necessarily the cause of him yeah. dropping the ball, per se. But uh-huh. I think if they get that out, then they're on track to really – he's on track to close out the eighth and go in there and dominate the ninth. Yeah, could have, could have, would have, should have, right? I agree. I mean, you know, no hitters. That's why they're no hitters. They're tough to get. Right. There needs to be a lot of things that ha- that come together in that in a, in a game for a guy to get a no hitter or a perfect mm-hmm. game. It's just not something that well, if you do, if I would have got that out there, if you would have hit that three pointer at this time, happen, yeah. you know, and I agree with you. I mean, could have, yeah. would have, should have, and no, sports isn't about that. It's about what happened, mm-hmm. not what could have happened. And uh, looking ahead for the Detroit Tigers here, though, the Tigers do have the day off today, which is uh, very nice for them. Get to rest up after that long, grueling series with the Angels. But Tuesday through Thursday, they will be at home against the Texas Rangers, um, which will be proved to be another very difficult series of the Texas Rangers, who are atop the AL West at this time. Uh, We are going to have to face, it's going to be Scherzer versus Lewis to kick off the series. Then it's going to be Fister versus Harrison. Fister will get the start on Wednesday, his first start as a Detroit Tiger. And after the break, we will get to more about David Fister and what kind of a pickup he is for the team. Um, and on Thursday, it will be Brad Penny versus Ogando. So you have some really good pitchers here with Texas. Lewis is 10-8. and eight. Harrison's not having too bad of a year, 9-7. and seven. And Ogando is 10-5, and five, the young stud out in Texas. And again, Texas is a team that has already shored up their lineup here at the trade deadline. So it's going to be a very interesting series against a team that's got great pitching and some real good bats on the team at this time. 
Not And after that, the team will travel to Kansas City to start a nine-game road trip. Um, we'll be playing three against Kansas City Friday through Sunday will be that. So uh, should be a real good series there. Hopefully Kansas City does not play spoiler as they usually do um, to the Tigers, to everyone else. Uh, as of right now, when I said they had the Cleveland Indians two and a half games back, well, they're two and a half games back because they're two and eight in their last 10 games. Uh, again, the Indians have not been playing good baseball lately, um, really getting roughed up. Um, the standings, it's nice to see the Tigers get a little more room here, but it's not a lot. This can easily go right back to a game and a half, you know, right back to two. Uh, they just keep dancing around that. I really would like to see the Tigers have a good series here against Texas and Kansas City to try to gain a little more, just a little more distance here in the Central because the way I see it, it's still a four-dog race. Um, you can't count Minnesota out even though they're seven games back. I don't think they are going to make that push, but you can't count them out. Um, you can count out Kansas City. But Kansas City just has that motivation as they usual, a team that plays great in August and September, but just stinks up earlier in the season. So we'll see how they come out there. But when we get back, I want our listeners to start thinking about this al cy young weaver verlander i'm gonna give you guys some numbers i want you to tell me what you think and don't be too biased because we're all tigers fans pretty much out here also we're gonna be talking a little bit about the nfl a lot going on actually in the nfl free agency mayhem this weekend we'll get to the lions see who they picked up how this team is looking for the new season also we got a little blurb on the pistons and the red wings hopefully we have time for all this only a half hour left you're all listening to the spartan sports rap here on 88.9 wdbm east lansing you're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights at 10 p.m., get ready for The Mechanical Pulse, where we're spinning all the house, trance, drum and bass, electro, ambient, and remixed music you need to get the weekend started. You'll hear live interviews and DJs spinning straight from the Impact Studios and the best new music on the scene. So tune in every Friday night at 10 p.m. for Mechanical Pulse. Only on 88.9 The Impact. Have you ever considered donating your blood? If not, perhaps you might reconsider. By the time this announcement is through, 15 new people will need blood. In fact, blood is needed by one in every 10 hospital patients, and there is almost always a shortage. There is no substitute for human blood. It cannot be manufactured. It can only come from those willing to donate. To learn more or make an appointment, visit redcrossblood.org. Reconsider blood donation. It's about life. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. David Megan here with you. Just about a half hour left of the show and a lot to get to. So we will start right to it. Again, I wanted to talk about the AL Cy Young coming up. Um, again, it's a, it's a really tight race between Jared Weaver, CeCe Sabathia, and Justin Verlander. And I'm going to give you some numbers, and then I want to hear from the listeners, and I want to hear from you as well, Megan, on mm -hmm. who you think should win the Cy Young. Um, looking at Verlander and Weaver, I'm just going to compare them two so it's a little bit easier. They just faced off. Both of them both have four complete games, e equal there. They both have two shutouts this season. Look at their record. Justin Verlander is 15-5 and five on the season, and Jared Weaver is 14-5 and five on the season. ERA, Justin Verlander has a 2.24 ERA. Jared Weaver... Better. He's got a 1.88 ERA. You want to look at their whip, which is walks and hits per innings pitch. Justin Verlander, 0.87 whip. Jared Weaver, 0.94 whip. And here's an important one. Opponent's batting average. 
Justin Verlander holding opponents to 186 batting. Jared Weaver, 199. You also want to look at innings pitched, 181 innings, innings pitched for uh, Justin Verlander, 167 for Jared Weaver. Strikeouts, Verlander is killing that department, 178 strikeouts to the 142 of Jared Weaver. So basically looking at the numbers, Jared Weaver only has the advantage in his ERA. Every other statistical category, Justin Verlander is better in. You know, even pitches per start, Justin Verlander edges him out with 117 to 115. So I want to hear from you guys. Who should get the award? 517-432-3893. I'll start with you, Megan. Uh, you know, between Jared Weaver and Justin Verlander, who should win this award? Now, we do have to keep Sabathia in the mix. <laughs> I know his numbers. His numbers are quite similar to Verlander's, not as good. Uh -huh. But who should win this award, and who do you think at this point is going to win the award? I'm not being biased at all. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I'm saying that even though... I, I sense. I think it's because everyone got to see Weaver and Verlander face off on Sunday. That I think put a lot of emphasis on this whole entire thing, um, because I think it kind of gave people an idea of what these two pitchers are like. You put them head to head, obviously, you're gonna see, you're gonna see some of their best stuff. Yeah, see, see some really good good stuff. And looking at the numbers um, and everything, keeping Sabathia in there. I, st I, I still think Verlander. Verlander has been said by multiple people to be the best pitcher in baseball at this time. And I think numbers, ERA, yeah, it's important, but look at his strikeouts. He's like like 36 strikeouts ahead of um, Weaver. And that's such a big, I think that's such a big and important number that I don't think a lot of people put emphasis on. I think it's more of the ERA. I actually talked to someone today who said Sabathia is better than Verlander, and I wanted to rip his head off. Um, That's crap. I know. And just everything. Verlander is just, he's such a classy guy. He's such a good pitcher. His numbers are so much, so good. They're not so much better, but they're better to the point of, I think he is the better pitcher, and he should win it. That's just how I feel. That's, that's all bias thing. aside. Who, no, but yeah, at this point, who do you think will win it? Because you go back to 2007, uh, Justin Verlander had a great year again, and it was him and CeCe battling it out. CC got the award. Did he have a better season necessarily? Tough to say. They were very close. But do you think they'll give it to Weaver or, you know, CC Sabathia? Let's say the Tigers hypothetically missed the playoffs. Mm -hmm. New York's going to get into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. The Angels, not too sure. They're two games back of the Rangers right now. But who do you think is going to win it? Oh, goodness. You know, that whole playoff thing really bugs me because that does make a big impact on who people pick. And we even and talked about it last year with uh, MVP, all that kind oh, yeah. of stuff. Like, we had two in Rookie of the Year. Yep. We had um, Cabrera and Jackson in. Yep, and, and the, the Tali Feliz one and Because um, we didn't Josh make the playoffs. Hamilton. Yep. And that makes me so angry, and that's why I hate I hate this kind of stuff. I think I said this last year, too, if I remember correctly. Because it's so – like – you can predict this. You can say yes, Verlander, but if we miss the playoffs again and let's say New York makes it, then Sabathia would probably win it. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is if, if we miss the playoffs, um, it's not going to be because of Justin Verlander. No. And uh, Justin Verlander, I think what you have to look at as well in Cy Young, uh, you know, the aspect of that is that he's the workhorse for this team. Mm -hmm. He is the guy. This team plays differently with Justin Verlander on the mound. And I think if you want to at least equate it to who has more value, on each team. Sabathia, obviously a fantastic pitcher, and Verlander as well, but who brings more? Who is more important to the team? And when the numbers back up that importance, it's Justin Verlander. Oh, yeah. ERA is important. Um, I think, personally, I think it's more important than strikeouts, but mm -hmm. a 2.24, you're, you're just dancing around it when 2.24, 1.88. I mean, I know, his, I know Jared's is under two, 
But at the same time, when your whip is better, when you're having opponents' batting averages lower, you're you know you're pitching more every start. You're out there longer. Mm-hmm. You had the same amount of complete games, same amount of shutouts, and you have one more win now than the guy. I know there's still a lot of baseball left, 56 games, but. It's Verlander. It's Verlander to me, and I think it'll be a travesty if he doesn't get in. A man who almost has a no-hitter as well this season, almost had another one. Um, you know, He's given up two or less runs four separate times this year. Uh-huh. Um, it's someone that should win this, and uh, we'll talk about that more later in the season. We need to get to the recent acquisitions that the Detroit Tigers have made. Um, the Tigers have traded pitcher Charlie Furbush, uh, AAA outfielder Casper Wells, and AA third baseman Francisco Martinez, and a player later to be named to the Seattle Mariners, four-starter Doug Doug Fister, excuse me, not David Fister, like I said earlier, and reliever David Pauly. Um, you know, we needed an extra guy for the rotation. This is what we all knew Dombrowski was going after. He had to get someone else, you know, for the fifth spot, or it looks like he might be moved to the third spot. Um, and Porcello, the fifth spot, I don't know if they'll maintain that rotation, but with Fister going on Wednesday, that's how they have it at this time. Fister is 27 years old. He's 3-12 and right now on the season, but he has a 3.33 ERA, and his whip is 1.17. Now, you see 3-12, and Megan, and you think, oh, this guy's crap, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? He's terrible, mm-hmm. but he's really not. He plays for a team that has the worst off, uh, run support in the entire league per nine innings. The Seattle Mariners score 1.97 runs per nine innings. The next closest team to the Mariners with that dreadful production in runs is the San Diego Padres with a 2.55. Um, you know, it's it's pathetic. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Fister, he gets no run support per, per game, and that's not his fault. Uh-huh. Okay, so a 3-12 and record on a team that lost 17 games in a row, not more than two weeks ago. Yeah, you expect a guy to have a 3-12 and record, but with a 3-3 ERA, a very impressive whip. 1.17 is fantastic for a guy like that. He struck out 89 batters this season and only given up 139 hits and 32 walks. So, I mean, do you think that Fister is going to be – I know he's not a left-hander, he's a right-hander. And we, I know we wanted a left-hander. Mm-hmm. But do you think Fister is going to be that guy that's going to be able to you know, help propel us here to the playoffs? I hope so. I, you, you don't really know, though, until you put him in a situation with the team that he's on now. Like, he could be, you know, 3-12, and 12, as you said, for the Mariners with the worst run sport in the league. But yep. put, him, put him with the Tigers that are first in the Central Division, uh, one, one and a half games up, and throw him into that situation and see how he does. It's, they're two different, two completely different situations. They really are. And, and I mean... Yeah. I just, I, I, think, I think we really can't tell until we put him in there. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see on Wednesday mm-hmm. when he gets to start against Kane. I mean, start against, uh, excuse me... Uh, the uh, Texas Rangers. We will see how he does then. I still think it's a good pickup. You don't have to overextend yourself, give up way too many prospects. Um, you know, baseball's all about you know managing that young talent, and you don't want to ever want to give too much of, a, of it away. Um, I know people are, some people are maybe freaking out. Oh, he gave up Casper Wells, Charlie Furbush, you know, some of these other guys. Furbush has not been playing well, you know, lately at all. You know, he really. I know he came out and looked good, but he hasn't been playing that great. I like Casper Wells, but we need a pitcher right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's what this team had to go out and get. And the other acquisition was David Pauly. Um, because right now this bullpen is having issues with Al Albuquerque. He's got a sore he's got a sore arm and he's not on the DL, but they're not really using him a lot. And um, you know, when you see a guy like Phil Coke come into the game, um and just absolutely be dreadful um, like he was the other night. You need somebody else in that bullpen, and that's David Pauly, 28 years old. He's played in 39 games with uh, the Mariners this season. He's got a 5-4 and four record, 
2.15 ERA, and he is tied for the lead uh, for the le- uh, for the league amongst all American League relievers with five wins. So he is a very good reliever. Um, I think the acquisitions are very good. Again, they're not I think overextending themselves trying to go out and get a guy like Ybaldo uh, Jimenez or just some huge name and really give up a lot. Mm-hmm. So personally, I think it's a good call. Uh, I want to hear what the listeners think. Phone number is five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Do you like the acquisition of? Fister and Pauly. Um, it's exciting to see. I didn't think Fister was going to get his start until um, Friday against Kansas City because that's the fifth spot in the rotation. Mm-hmm. But looking at this now, I think it might be a good thing. You move Fister to the third spot. You keep you move Penny down to the fourth. And then you have Porcello in the fifth so that every fifth rotation, you got a good guy in there. Because this team is 1-11 this season when it comes to our fifth starter. Terrible. 5.25 ERA when it comes to the fifth guy in our rotation. Maybe Leland sinking Porcello can really help the fifth spot. Fister's good enough to take over the three spot, okay. which I personally have no problem with. <laughs> I think it's you know a pretty smart move in a lot of ways. But uh, real fast, you know, with the Tigers, just jumping back to the vision, who are you more afraid of? Indians, White Sox, Twins. I mean, you know, two and a half games back for the Indians, four games back for the White Sox, seven games back for the Twins. Who do you think is going to be the toughest competition down the down the road? Down the road, just just with our struggle in the last series, I would have to say the White Sox. Um, just because the Indians haven't been doing much lately, they're kind of. I think they're kind of cooling off right now. They're kind of. Yeah, like, I think they've been kind of yeah cooling off. Yeah, and I just feel like they aren't. They're not. They're not. They're still a threat, but they're not the threat they were. Um, when we were like four games back, five games back, creeping up on them, you know, they're still getting wins, still getting wins. It's just they're still back and forth now. And how we struggled with the White Sox, I think that the White Sox are more of a threat to us along in the long run. Yes, no, I agree completely with you. Um, again, I, I think Minnesota will be in contention when it comes to the rest of this, you know, this uh, divisional race. But I just don't think they have enough this year in the tank to get there. I think they've been really bogged down by injuries. And, you know, their pitching just hasn't been that great. Um, you look at, you know, uh, the Indians, like you already had mentioned, they've been cooling off 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. Um, they're lucky they're only two and a half games back playing like that. The Tigers are only five and five in their last ten. And that's why I want to see the Tigers maybe string some together, kind of go, you know, play seven and three in your next ten. I know that's easier said than done, don't get me wrong, but you're letting the Indians hang around. A team that is struggling, they, they probably won't continue to, you know, just constantly struggle. The White Sox are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a team that have been hovering around 500, you know, for the last month or two. Um, you know, really playing strong baseball. Uh, you know, we play a lot of games against them. You know, this is that's what's going to decide this division is our divisional games, of course. Um, you know, with 56 games left, we have a lot of those against divisional opponents. So it's really gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. Chicago is a strong team. Um, no one count them out. I know. I mean, I don't know. I think Chicago. Would you Would you even bounce Cleveland down to the four spot? You know, like would you say you're more afraid of Chicago and Minnesota? Or Chicago and Cleveland. Uh, I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna put Cleveland in the four. Okay. I think I'll keep them in the three and put Minnesota, keep Minnesota in the four. Okay. Um, I like Minnesota is just eh. I think this year they're not. They're not good. They're not like they used to be, but they're just not. I I think Cleveland will start coming back a little bit, just not to the extent of where they were before. Okay. That's what I feel. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's, it's just so tough. I, I tell you, I just it's it's really hard because Minnesota. I mean, they're just they they always do this. They have you know they play kind of decent baseball and then they go on and like they play twenty and four like they did two years ago and you know get us to a play in game in two thousand nine. So that's why Minnesota. It's tough to count them out and Ryan Garden higher. But I would have to say Chicago number one threat. Like you know, both agree on that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 
I do see Cleveland falling, but I don't know. If they're only still two and a half games back. They're, they haven't been playing well at all lately, in my opinion. I'll keep Cleveland up there at this point, at least. We'll see how, We'll see in the next couple weeks to come how it goes down. But uh, nonetheless, again, the Tigers are playing starting tomorrow. Texas Rangers coming to Comerica Park for a three-game series. After that, three-game series with the Kansas City Royals at KC. So that is your Detroit Tigers. But now we need to move on to the NFL. Don't have a ton of time left, but I do want to get to what the uh, Lions have been doing and how this team is shaping out. Uh, the Lions have already signed Mikel LaShore uh, to, uh, and Titus Young to four-year contracts uh, this last Thursday. Uh, these were two guys they drafted, uh, you know, number two and three in the draft. So we got those guys under contract. Uh, no disclosure uh, right now of what the terms of that contract is. Um, they also have signed linebacker Doug Hogue, who was our fifth-round draft pick, signed him to a four-year deal. Um, offensive tackle Johnny Colbreath, who was our seventh-round pick, um, we also signed him. Lions also picked up former Jaguars linebacker Justin Durant. And we also have Maurice Leggett, who is the former Chiefs Chiefs defensive back. So these are some of the guys that we have picked up. I know we have picked up some more, and I'm going to get to those. But these are some more of the acquisitions looking around Thursday, Friday, right when this right when this uh, free agency uh, mayhem began. But the Lions have signed middle linebacker Stephen Tulich, which is a fantastic pickup. This is a guy that used to play um, in Tennessee. He was under Jim Schwartz for three uh, three years. Um, you know Kyle Vandenbosch, who was a man also obviously in Tennessee. He's got a lot of friends here. He feels comfortable here, and he's showing up a position that. That we really need. Um, it looks um, with Justin Durant, he's getting a, two, a two-year deal, and uh, Stephen Tulich, he got a one-year deal worth three point two five million dollars. One point eight million dollars of that is going to be guaranteed to him. Um, Stephen Tulich um, looks like he's going to be playing. He's a great linebacker. Um, the guy is undersized. He's only about 5'10", uh, you know, 5'11", 240 pounds. Not the biggest guy for a linebacker, but he is quick. Uh, Luis Delmas says, quote, Tulich would add a little more speed. He might be short and stubby, but my man is fast. I raced him every day in summer workouts in Miami, and I watched him run every day. And, man, he'd, ha- he'd add some excitement, end quote. Um, and that is great to hear. You know, you have a lot of support for guys coming here. Um, it, it's really looking like uh, uh, Justin Durant is going to play on the left side. Uh, DeAndre Levy, Levy will move to the right, and you will have Stephen Tulich in the middle for your linebacker core, which I'm very excited to see the Lions make that move because, you know, you look at cornerback and linebacker, and these were the two things that the Lions really needed to make sure they took care of. Um, again, yes, the Lions have already signed Nick Fairley. Um, you know, their number one, 13th overall pick. Um, great to see um, him. We'll talk about him more in one second. Um, the Lions also, though, have uh, uh, Turk McBride has left the Lions. Uh, Turk McBride, who was our one of our defensive ends last season, uh, pretty darn good one as well, but he has left to go sign with the Saints. Um, he will no longer be with us. Um, you know, not too bad of a player at all, but just feeling that there's not enough space on the team. Um, you know, here's a quote from Jim Schwartz. He says, quote, Turk meant a lot to this team. I am happy he found a spot and was able to get some money, but we will miss the toughness and the work ethic he brought to our team. We really wanted to get him back under contract, but you can't have everything. We had to make some decisions, end quote. And that's it. The Lions just didn't have enough money. Um, you know, with the contracts they've already given out, with certain guys they've picked up, um, the salary cap only being at $120 million now, it you know, teams have to make cuts. And that's what has gone on here. So Turk McBride, no longer a Tiger. See you, see you later. I mean, I'm not Tiger, Lion, excuse me. Tigers and Lions always 
mixing those up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Lions also got Chris Houston back. Uh, Chris Houston, who was our cornerback uh, last year, he started 15 games for the Detroit Lions. He got uh, signed to a two-year deal here on Sunday. Um, basically, um, you know, Asamoa, the high-paid cornerback uh, who went to the Eagles, he was gone. Jonathan Joseph went to the Texans. So basically all the big names were off the market. So what are you going to do? They went back to Chris Houston, who I think is young, adds some excitement to the team. He obviously needs to work on some things. But Chris Young, not a bad um, not a bad pickup, to be honest with you. Um, we're signing him again to a two-year deal. Um, looks like he's going to be starting at left cornerback. And uh, Eric Wright um, will also be uh, – um, they also signed Eric White on Friday. Alfonso Smith and Aaron Berry will be fighting for the right side at the cornerback position. And with Nathan Vasher, Brandon McDonald, and Prince Miller – so they're going to basically be fighting for the starting job. So you have a lot of guys um, in here that will be fighting, jockeying for position. So it's good to see that we have a lot of guys that we can move around here and see how our depth chart uh, really works out. But uh, in some scary news, because we really don't know exactly what's going on with this, um, today at practice, uh, you know, fans were there watching, having a great time. And then Nick Fairley gets taken off limping off the field. On a special teams drill, and so people are wondering. Uh, Jim Schwartz says, "Quote: Nick tweaked he tweaked his foot. Uh, we sent him in for X-rays to make sure that there was no broken bones in there. We wanted to keep practicing." End quote. Um, the X-rays were negative, but Schwartz said the foot be, would be examined again later on Monday. Um, he did come back onto the field for a while, but he was sore, so they didn't really want to. They didn't want to work him too much, right. obviously. Make sure he's fine. Um, guys are chairless. He missed his second day of work with his knee injury, which is always an issue. Um, rookie receiver Titus Young had leg stiffness, so he is in day-to-day -day mode. Cornerback Jack Williams, also a knee issue. Cornerback Alfonso Smith, he has a foot problem. And left tackle Jeff Backus, who has started 160 games consecutively, consecutively for us, is has a pectoral muscle issue, which doesn't look like he will be ready. So right now we are going to go to the phone lines and see what the listeners are thinking. Hey, how you doing? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How you doing? This is James. Hey, what's going on, James? How's it going? Pretty good. I uh, wanted to call in and uh, I wanted to get your opinion on the situation yesterday with Verlander. Um or I believe it may have been the day before, uh, the, um, the, the ruling um, when you put down the bunt, you know, I was just wanted your, your input on that situation. You mean when Eric Ibar bunted last, uh, yesterday against Verlander and the no-hitter bid? He was going for the no-hitter and it took it from him. Yes. Oh, well, no, the no see, that's the thing. The bunt didn't take it away. It was ruled as an error. So he still had the no-hitter intact. And, uh, you know, when it comes to, again, whether Ibar's bunt was kosher, whether it was or whether it was Bush League, um, I don't have an issue with it. Um, you know, like we had talked about before, um, we would not be complaining about this if it was our team doing it to another team in a close game. The Angels are trying to win. They're in a division race right now. This isn't, this isn't you know, the Mariners who are like 30 games out of contention. So I personally have no problem with it. I just have a problem with Jared Weaver going after a guy like Alex Avila when Avila did absolutely nothing to the man. Right, yes. And I, I also wanted to touch on the topic of the Cy Young with uh, Weaver. Um, it really can't do well for him. You know, it doesn't say good things for him for the Cy Young when he is, you know, attacking people's heads. Um, I wanted your opinion on that situation also. Well, no, I definitely agree. Um, I think that, you know, uh, a character kind of thing is really not going to play too much, I think, into a factor of winning a Cy Young or not. But I think it does, you know, it does make people think, you know, this guy, he's really not too calm and collected. You know, he really lost his cool in a very immature way. And I don't think that's going to change whether he wins the Cy Young or not. But I think it showed, you know, with all the, with everything that happened, I think it showed the country 
who the better pitcher is that day. And I think a lot of the country thinks that's Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. So I agree uh, with you very much. And uh, I just wanted to say that I'm I'm a longtime listener. I really like you guys' show, and I think you do an outstanding job. Well, thank you a lot for the call, James. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a good night. You too. Thank you. Man, that, that Angels game. <laughs> what a great game to go to. I think that'll be on people's minds for a while. You were actually there. Yeah, I was there. See, I was there Friday. Oh, you went to the Friday night uh, I got bored 12 to I 2? I got falling asleep. You got Honest bored? What, because they, they're batting around too much? I'm like, oh my gosh. They're like, scoring too many runs for you? Yes. Too many <laughs> runs, Tigers. No, I've kidding. never been to a game like that. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I was up really early that day, too, and it was just a long day for me because I had to work that morning, but... It was just, I was like, oh, look, another hit. Oh, another one. <laughs> and oh, another one. Uh, but I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining because that's that's the kind of stuff they need. No, of course. I mean, I th- like I said, I always thought that that game was very vital just to get this team back mentally on the right track. Mm-hmm. I know they lost 5-1 to one with Heron going on Saturday, but that was Dan Heron, and Dan Heron has been lights out against the Tigers here um, in two consecutive starts, pitching complete games and only giving up one run in two starts, against, two complete starts against the Detroit Tigers. Definitely. But uh, real fast, so we will jump back in the NFL, but I do want to give a couple uh, quick blurbs of what else is going on in the league. Um, on Friday, it was announced I mean, I know we had already talked about Lawrence Frank being offered the job, assuming that he's going to be the coach, of course, but he has been officially announced as the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, getting a three-year deal. Um, He also has a fourth-year option for the fourth year. Um, Again, as we spoke about it on the previous show, I really don't have an issue with it. I wanted Woodson more, but if Joe Dumars, if these guys are all this high on Lawrence Frank, who has proven that he can coach in the past, he's a... He's a good defensive coach, great with point guards, and does command respect. And that's just what I wanted to see. And, you know, you also just want to see with a team like this to have some consistency. And that's why I'm very happy that they signed him to a three-year deal. I am tired of the coaching carousel with the Detroit Pistons. Ever since Chuck Chuck Daly left coaching this team over 20 years ago, they have only had one coach coach more than two consecutive seasons, and that was Flip Saunders. Mm -hmm. So let's see. Let's finally get a guy in here that's going to be here for a while. He's going to build some relationships, and he's going to become a Detroit guy. Pistons need that, so hopefully Lawrence Frank is that guy. Can only hope so. Um, looking at the Detroit Red Wings, uh, I know not a lot of hockey news usually at this time of year. It's summertime, and no one's thinking about hockey. Um, but uh, Chris Chelios, which obviously uh, you know, longtime Red Wing, great player. Um, you know, if you've never been to Chelios Chili's, great place down in Detroit. Uh, but Red Wing uh, Chris Chelios is going to be inducted into the uh, Hockey uh, Hall of Fame. So uh, congratulations to Chris Chelios. He will be uh, joining that as well with uh, Keith Kachuk, uh, one of his old teammates. So uh, great, great for Chris. Chelios. Chelios, uh, you know, a guy that you know really is a stand-up guy, loves this state. Um, he was always given a lot back to it, so I'm very happy to see him get his due and be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Uh, real fast, back to the NFL. I know we can't talk about it long, but some of the big moves that went down. Donovan McNabb, now part of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you look around the league, Reggie Bush is now on the Miami Dolphins. You have Chad Ochocinco and Albert Hainsworth on the Patriots. It's a whole different league. It's absolute mayhem. Vince Young on the Eagles. Uh, like I said, Asamoah, uh, the high-priced cornerback from Oakland, also on the Eagles right now. Um, there's been so much bouncing around. I feel like I would need to read three preview magazines today just to even know who's on what team. Um, I know this does happen every year, but I had spoken with someone earlier, and it just seems like it's – I know it's only two weeks, and that's why it feels like this, but it just feels like even more so that guys are just everywhere different. 
Like, if you, you see it every day on the I just feel like so many guys are just on different teams, like big-name guys, so not just regular guys. That'll make it a, a really interesting season, though. And that's what a lot of people are saying. Lions are going to make the playoffs, maybe make it to the Super Bowl this year. You know, it's it's such a different season. This lockout, I think, kind of like boggled people's minds. Like It really did. And I, like I said, I mean, I had to come in here early just to read over what was going on. And I we'll get into more of it next week, I think, when things really settle down here um, in the league. And, you know, the team has to, you know, make their roster cuts and finally really getting – Get get to their salary cap level. So uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Some of the other big deals that go on, go on. But I want to talk more about the Detroit Lions tonight. Um, uh, real fast as well. Um, good old boy Randy Moss calling it over. Thirteen seasons in the NFL. He is done. Deciding to retire. He has caught nine hundred and fifty four passes for fourteen thousand eight hundred and fifty eight yards and has one hundred and fifty three touchdowns in his thirteen year career, which was in Minnesota, Oakland, New England, and Tennessee. Um, you know he's thirty four years old and he's just done and I, I i like actually like the move I, I have no i like randy moss i have no problem with mm-hmm. him you know he, he had really just been bouncing around when he was at you know he didn't have great success in new england he did in 2008 but ever after being cut from them didn't have any success in tennessee wasn't really good in oakland it's just time for him to retire so uh good for that well good news is Favre's not coming back <laughs> thank god Favre better not come back or if i i just don't even want to hear any speculation like Oh, might be back this year. He might come back. You never know. He's he's bored in Mississippi again. (laughs) It's like, well, of course he's bored. He's in Mississippi. But uh, uh, real fast, uh, we are going to go to a couple of fun facts. Uh, I haven't done this segment in a minute uh, because we've had so much to talk about. Mm -hmm. Figured, why not? Um, These fun facts are just regarding crimes. I always think these are funny. Really, really dumb. Are these the dumb crimes? These are the dumb crimes. These are some different ones. They're pretty funny. Throw out a few of them for you. A 20-year-old protester was arrested in Montana after he assaulted a Congress uh, woman from Iowa with a salmon. <laughs> so it just hits her across the face with the salmon. There you go. Which is, you think you'd find a better weapon, but... You never know. What do you charge someone with that? Is that just like assault? I, I think don't it's even, just assault. It's just assault? I would think. Well, okay. I mean, you're slapping a woman with a, with a salmon. With a salmon. I, that's just too funny. Uh, let's see. A couple robbing a store caught on camera could not be identified until the police reviewed the security tape. The woman filled out an entry form for a free trip prior to robbing the store. <laughs> Here, let me see if I can win some stuff. Let's see if I can go to Cancun. Oh, wait, I'm going to steal this pack of smokes. Ridiculous. A drunk security man asked a colleague at the Moscow Bank they were guarding to stab the bulletproof vest to see if it would be, if it would be protected against a knife attack. It didn't, and the 25-year-old guard died of a heart wound. Oh, no. you think they'd stab somewhere else except for where your heart is. You would think, but just the fact that you're asking someone to, let's see if this vest is any good. You know, we don't have any other way to test that, of course. I mean, we couldn't just stab the vest without someone wearing it. How would you try that? That's what I would want to know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Absolute. It's just ridiculous. Uh, a guy wearing pantyhose on his face tried to rob a store in a mall. When security came, he quickly grabbed a shopping bag and pretended to be shopping, <laughs> forgetting that he was still wearing the pantyhose on his head. He was captured, and his uh, loot was returned to the store. Um, oh, I just like to walk around with pantyhose with my head every once in a while. Yeah. Just, you know, keeps, just the, keeps the breeze from bothering my face. You know, I like my face all smush, smush. You know, you can't see what I look like. Uh, let's see. A Hawaiian stamp of 1851 with a face value of two cents was the sole reason Gaston Leroux, a Parisian ph- philanthropist, murdered its owner, Hector Garou. Why? A two cent stamp? I don't know. Like, well, you know, stamps, those prices are really going up. They're I like 42 say. cents now. Yeah. I mean, 
People are going to have to start murdering for stamps. He just really wanted to send a message. He really did. A couple more real fast. A judge in Louisville decided a jury went a little bit too far in recommending a sentence of 5,005 years for a man who was convicted of five robberies and a kidnapping. Guess what the judge reduced his sentence to? What? 1,001 years. (laughs) So that's absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know why when you get into sentencing at that point. The guy's going to be dead for 10 different centuries. Wouldn't you say sentenced to death? Yeah, sentenced to death. Um, Let's see. uh, One last one. A man robbed the convenience store and ran out with a bag full of cash. He got down the street and realized he had left his car keys on the counter. When we returned to the store... He was promptly arrested. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, forget your car keys. You just robbed the place. But I do want to thank all of our listeners uh, to tu- uh, for tuning in tonight. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure to do this show. Um, definitely tune in next week for a brand new show. Uh, again, a lot of NFL to get to. We have preseason starting here August 12th for the Lions, um, August 11th for some other teams. Um, you know, baseball is in full swing with 56 games left. So definitely stay tuned. For everyone here at the Spartan Sports Rat, my name is Dave Ferencu. I'm Megan. You guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.